You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. There's a new sophistication in BEC campaigns, trends in brand impersonation, the future of Russian influence operations in the post prigozhin era. Andrea Little-Limbago from Interos shares insights on the new cyber workforce strategy. In our latest Threat Vector segment, David Moulton of Palo Alto Networks is joined by Stephanie Reagan, senior consultant at Unit 42, to discuss muddled Libra and the growing problem of synthetic identity fraud. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Thursday, August 24th, 2023. There are several trends being discussed by industry researchers today. First, Trustwave Spider Labs has published a report on the business email compromise landscape in the first half of 2023. The researchers saw an increase of 25% in unique BEC attacks in the first quarter over the final quarter of 2022. February accounted for the highest BEC volume in that period. Trustwave says that history teaches that BEC usually picks up in February after a holiday slump. They say, as the year begins, people are gearing up for tax season and the start of new endeavors. Fraudsters are sure to take advantage of this. The researchers found that Gmail, iCloud, and Mail.ru were the most common free email services abused in BEC attacks. Security firm Kroll has observed a notable shift toward increased supply chain risk in the second quarter of 2023, this was driven both by the notorious Klopp gang's exploitation of a move-it transfer vulnerability, but also by a jump in email compromise attacks. The researchers believe the Klopp gang has been targeting move-it users for the past two years. They write, Initial crawl analysis of the move-it cases across their client base identified that similar activity targeting move-it servers had been observed as far back as 2021, 
suggesting that the Klopp ransomware group had likely identified the zero day years earlier and had spent some time creating automated tools to aid them in conducting the mass exploitation event. Turning to brand impersonation, Abnormal Security has found that Microsoft is by far the most commonly spoofed brand used in phishing attacks. Microsoft-branded attacks have accounted for 4.3% of all phishing attempts in 2023. Attackers frequently target Microsoft credentials in order to compromise an organization's Microsoft 365 environment. The crooks are using better grammar and more plausible usage, too, no longer sounding like Ensign Chekhov having a bad day on the bridge of the Enterprise. Abnormal has seen an increase in grammatically correct phishing emails. It's not that they're becoming better writers, but they're using generative AI to write their phishing templates. The researchers lament, Unfortunately, the use of generative AI goes beyond emails. Cyber criminals can produce whole websites, complete with logos, brand copy, and images, then link those to their phishing messages. This deepens the impression that these emails really are from the impersonated brand and makes it more likely that the victim will enter their credentials. It's almost enough to make you nostalgic for Clippy. Almost. Turning to the hybrid war Russia launched against its neighbor Ukraine in the winter of 2022, the most startling news so far this week was yesterday's plane crash that killed Yevgeny Prigozhin yesterday. In cyberspace, the crash, which we have to say is generally regarded as a shootdown ordered by Russian President Putin, casts further doubt on the future of a prominent player in Russian influence operations. Mr. Prigozhin's troll-farming internet research agency had already indicated after the march on Moscow that it was ceasing operations. It seems likely, however, that its template for disinformation and influence will continue in use by Russian intelligence services, especially the GRU. The Washington Post quotes an assessment by Gavin Wild, former U.S. National Security Council director for Russia, Baltic, and Caucasus Affairs, now a senior fellow with the Carnegie Endowment for Peace, as stating, Prigozhin was for Russian information operations kind of what Kurt Cobain was for grunge music. The guy ushers in a certain era and perfects a certain craft. But now that he's gone, what's likely to follow is a saturated market of copycats, and that will probably end up falling short of the kind of heyday or the prominence of what it once was. Radware's recently published 2023 H1 Global Threat Analysis Report looks at the current state of global distributed denial-of-service attacks and finds two Russian hacktivist auxiliaries atop the threat leaderboard. The researchers find that attacks on Layer 7, that is the application layer, have surged, as have high-volume, long-duration attacks, while other forms of DDoS somewhat diminished. The researchers state... No Name 05716 was the most active hacker group on Telegram, claiming 1,459 DDoS attacks, followed by Anonymous Sudan with 660 attacks and Team Insane PK with 588 attacks. No Name and Anonymous Sudan are Russian operations. The group that showed in third place, Team Insane PK, is an Islamist group operating for the most part from Pakistan, against targets in India. 
The Southwark Crown Court in London has found two teenagers, members of the Lapsus Group, responsible for cyber attacks against companies that included Uber, NVIDIA, and Rockstar Games, the BBC reports. One of the youths, aged 18, has been remanded. The other, a 17-year-old, remains out on bail. Both are awaiting sentencing. In the U.S., the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York has announced the indictment of Roman Storm and Roman Semenov, founders of Tornado Cash, on charges of conspiracy to commit money laundering, conspiracy to commit sanctions violations, and conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money-transmitting business. They are alleged to have handled more than a billion dollars in illicit transactions, including hundreds of millions laundered on behalf of North Korea's Lazarus Group. The U.S. Department of the Treasury also announced yesterday that it had sanctioned Mr. Semenov for operating his mixer service in the interest of North Korea. Treasury said, As a result of today's action, all property and interests in property of the designated individual that are in the United States or in the possession or control of U.S. persons must be blocked and reported to OFAC, that's Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control. OFAC's regulations generally prohibit all dealings by U.S. persons or within the United States that involve any property or interests in property of blocked or designated persons. Mr. Storm was arrested yesterday. Mr. Semenov, a Russian citizen, remains at large, still very much in the wind. And finally, analysis by TransUnion has found that synthetic identity fraud has reached record levels, particularly in the auto finance industry. TransUnion explains, Synthetic fraud is the use of personally identifiable information to fabricate a person or entity in order to commit a dishonest act for personal or financial gain. Synthetic identity exposure in the auto industry reached $1.8 billion in the first half of 2023, making the sector an attractive target for fraudsters. The researchers note that the retail industry has had the highest rate of digital fraud this year, with retail and video gaming at 10.6% and 7%, respectively, followed by telecommunications at 5.3%. Globally, insurance and logistics were the industries with the lowest suspected digital fraud attempt rate in the first half of 2023. Among all industries, the suspected digital fraud rate stood at 5.3%, up from 4.5% a year ago. Coming up after the break in our latest Threat Vector segment, David Multon of Palo Alto Networks is joined by Stephanie Reagan, senior consultant at Unit 42, to discuss modeled Libra. Andrea Little Limbago from Enteros shares insights on the new cyber workforce strategy. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. 
Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. In the latest edition of our sponsored Threat Vector segment, Palo Alto Network's David Moulton speaks with Stephanie Reagan, senior consultant at Uni42. Their conversation centers on muddled Libra. Here's the threat vector. It's not always possible from an investigative side to be able to tell whether AI is used. And honestly, it's not always our goal. We're really focused on ejecting the threat actor from the environment and getting our clients back up and running. Welcome to Threat Vector, a segment where Unit 42 shares unique threat intelligence insights, new threat actor TPTs, and real-world case studies. Unit 42 is a global team of threat intelligence experts, incident responders, and proactive security consultants dedicated to safeguarding our digital world. I'm your host, David Moulton, Director of Thought Leadership for Unit 42. In today's episode, I'm going to talk with Stephanie Regan, a senior consultant with Unit 42. Stephanie started her career in law enforcement and now specializes in compromise assessment and incident response. In our last episode, I spoke with Chris Russo, a senior threat researcher with Unit 42 focused on ransomware and cybercrime about muddled Libra. Chris painted a picture of a determined and dangerous adversary. Today, I want to talk with Stephanie to hear her insights and advice when it comes to responding to an attack from muddled Libra and groups like them. To kick us off, can you share the number of matters that you've been involved with when it comes to muddled Libra? Yeah, my numbers are likely a little higher since um, we're not always confident on attribution. However, I've worked definitely at least a half dozen cases with muddled Libra. Mm. And can you share a detail or an insight from a matter that really sticks out to you? One of the things that really sticks out to me about muddled Libra cases has been the 
reconnaissance portion of the investigation. A lot of the times we see threat actors doing a really light reconnaissance, trying to figure out where they're at in the environment and how they can navigate. I've seen them deep dive the how-to and the technical docs. They're really trying to get a really deep understanding of the environment and how to connect and change their level of persistence, as well as further their access into the environment. So Chris mentioned that this group is prolific when it comes to use of phishing kits and social engineering. And what are some of the ways that you've seen success in combating these approaches? These approaches are really successful because it's focused on that human factor. People are focused on their jobs, getting their jobs accomplished. MFA is a huge must. And moving towards more secure methods of MFA, getting away from using SMS for our multi-factor authentication. Really thinking about where is your data stored uh, when it comes to help desk information. We've seen uh, phishing and spoofing of help desk personnel. So really thinking critically about where is the information that the user might uh, use to reset their password through the help desk. One of the things that we've talked about that they use a lot of is domain typo squatting and also buying access from initial access brokers. Things like dark web and domain monitoring can also help in these situations to help you know quickly when credentials might be available on the dark web or uh, when you have certain things like uh, mistyped uh, domains and slightly misconfigured domain uh, URLs that have been uh, developed and are created that spoof your uh, sites. Stephanie, tell our listeners what it takes to help a client recover from one of these attacks. Especially with a muddled Libra attack, I think moving quickly to understand the level of persistence that has been able to be obtained at the time of detection is really important. IR playbooks are essential. Knowing the actions that you're going to need to take before you're in the emergency environment. Password resets, asset resets, those have to have a plan around them because when you're in large environments and you're trying to reset passwords for thousands of users, that's very difficult. It's going to be kind of that uh, whackable game to keep kicking them out of one account, but they can use another one to get right back in. Another crucial piece uh, with Muddled Libra and many threat actors today is getting to um, out-of-band comms very quickly as well. A lot of threat actors, including Muddled Libra, like to sit on and listen to whatever your chat platform of choice is and trying to understand what actions the IT team and maybe the investigators are taking Getting out of band and being able to really coordinate your approach quickly uh, to get your environment reset is very important. Final question for you. Do you expect that there will be copycat groups out there that take Muddled Libra's playbook and use it, expand on it? I think that the idea of copycats is an interesting one in this era of cyber being able to see the success of Muddled Libra and other groups like them and have enough information about them to be able to copy, definitely I can see people doing that. However, one of the things to keep in mind is that we hear a lot about like RAS, ransomware as a service, initial access brokers, and things like that. So we're seeing a lot of blending of TTPs, IOCs, indicators, but also as far as that goes, things that look like the same threat actor that might be slightly different because they're sharing resources and have really become this complex marketplace today. Stephanie, thanks for joining me today on Threat Vector and for sharing your insights and experience defending against Muddled Libra. 
If you're interested in reading more about this threat actor group, visit the Unit 42 Threat Research Center and look for the Threat Group Assessment on Muddled Libra. We'll be back on the CyberWire daily in two weeks. Until then, stay secure, stay vigilant. Goodbye for now. That's Unit 42's Stephanie Reagan speaking with David Moulton from Palo Alto Networks. And it is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Andrea Little-Limbago. She is Senior Vice President of Research and Analysis at Interos. Uh, Andrea, it is great to have you back. And I want to touch base today and, and get your reaction to the White House's national cybersecurity strategy. Yeah, no, and thanks for having me, Dave. And this is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a welcome strategy. You know, always, you know, the devils are in the details and so forth, but actually putting together a strategy and, you know, is a first step in really identifying what what is a big gap. And, you know, it's interesting when we think about the, the workforce gap and it'd be great to talk about some of the different experiences that we've had, but there is a, you know, the talent gap, but there's also a hiring challenge. So it's almost that there's a, you know, supply and demand disconnect going on across the entire industry. That hmm. really keeps exacerbating it. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see it. I think it's, it's, I think it's done well. It had a lot of great input from a variety of different interests. And I think it, it's something that's, you know, it's critical both for our national security and you know, our, our economic security going forward. So I think it also it highlights just the role that that workforce development is going to play, especially in cybersecurity going forward as a you know as a core component of of, of our government. So very welcome. You know, you mentioned the sort of disconnect between the hiring side and the 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 gap uh, in, with employees. What do you suppose is driving that? I think there are a couple of different things. It's almost hard to figure out where to start out. On the one hand, you know, cybersecurity as an industry in many ways. It hasn't been around for you know, centuries, like you could say, like finance has been. Mm. And mm. even you know, a couple of decades ago, you would say you know, there was a tech, and then you know, we've slowly have evolved. And some companies don't necessarily even have more than one security person for small and medium-sized businesses. And so very often, the, the needs are more so presented as someone middle career, senior career, to help fill the gap for what, what they're hiring for. And at that level, there may not be enough people out there mm. to, to fill those mm. gaps. And there has been less on the company side to want to do workforce training and development. They right. really want to hire someone coming in at that higher level, even if, it's a, even if that means they have an opening for a year. And they could have taken that year, brought someone in who, you know, out of college, has their degree, is eager, ready to learn, uh, and instead of training them. And so that's starting to change. We are starting to see more companies look both for more junior level candidates or you can provide some on-the-job training. And so I think that's really what's going to have to be needed. But we're also just seeing the cybersecurity industry is just notorious for their job applications listing. You know, you need to have these 30 criteria right. that, that are <laughs> right. ridiculous. Right. To, right. To, Five to, years to, of experience for a, for a technology that's only been around for three. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so you see so right. that gap too. And, and then, you know, and as we know, you have many underrepresented groups, unless you check off every single box. Yeah. Um, they're not going to apply. And then we also have a lot, see a lot of the job descriptions that are written for, you know, that kind of has some talk commentary in there. So that also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, it, I think a lot has evolved, honestly, over the last 10 years in that area. We're moving in the right direction. 
Yeah. And that's and actually, I think some of those movements are, are reflected in the, in the workforce strategy. So we're getting there, but still a lot more needs to be done on, on both sides. Well, getting back to the White House's uh, strategy here, uh, any other things in particular that caught your eye? I liked very much that it focuses on some of the adjustments for the federal workforce because the federal training really, or federal hiring really does need to adjust to, to bring in the top talent. And so it was almost you know, some good introspection going on there and acknowledging that there's a, a challenge there. So I like that. I really do like that you know, it takes an all of society approach to mm. cybersecurity and really focuses on really raising you know, the, the skill gap across all of the U.S. society. And so even whether they're going to the workforce, just making everyone in our population a much more cyber aware population. So I think, you know, for whatever age you are, you know, everyone is on some sort of technology right now. And so that means there's going to be some, you know, insecurity that inherently goes along with it. And so just raising the bar on that, I think, is really, I think that was an important point to, to note. And, you know, in some cases, it almost seems like it's, it's lending some insights from Estonia and some of the other countries that have done this a little bit better largely as a forcing function from having you know, major wide-scale cyber attacks 15 years mm-hmm. ago. But um, it's taking some lessons learned from other countries as well. So I think that was a good component of it. Because it really does have to be an all-society approach to it to then help fill in the gap. Because even you know, whatever industry you're in, you know, it has to be something that is, becomes an important issue to, to discuss and have that awareness. Yeah, there's, there's no getting around it, right? I mean, it's part of everybody's everyday lives now. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Andrea Little Limbago, thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The CyberWire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. 
Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Thank you.